0: Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Easter edition of the 2020 Redheaded Preacher podcast. First, uh, I will apologize for not having any podcast of the Monday, Thursday homily. Um, it just was a crazy week, and it slipped my mind, and I apologize. But we do have this Easter podcast of the homily given remotely because of the restrictions on travel and gathering, really. Uh, So, without uh, going any further, we don't have scriptures either, because they were recorded on a Zoom, and I don't have um, the way to incorporate that into this podcast. The title of the podcast is Redeemed by the Resurrection, and the core scripture is Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. Thank you, Ben. One of the ways to read the Bible or hear it or to preach it is to think about whom you relate to in the story you're hearing or reading, where you are in the parable. For example, do you relate to the disciples, the person Jesus is talking to, or the crowd surrounding them, shamefully ignoring the demand for social distance? I think that's an easier one this morning. Thanks to the virus and its broad and deep impact, a lot of us have lost people, income, or peace of mind over the past month or more. The rising numbers of the unemployed and those filing for benefits, it's really tough. And they may include you or a family member, loved one, someone who was your regular waiter or companion on the L-Rider metro downtown. Friday's Chicago Tribune said that 493,500 people have filed for unemployment over the last three weeks in Illinois. That's a tad short of eight Skokies. One in 12 workers are unemployed, and one person in the report said that as far as Unemployment claims uh, the rush is far from over, and that's not getting into the risks taken by and the demands upon our healthcare workers and volunteers that they're going through. And the fears we have of getting or passing on the virus and the loneliness and strain of staying in place and more. So the way I see it in Matthew 28, none of us, if we're finding our place in the story, none of us are the angel coming down and rolling away the stone and sitting on it. None of us are angels. Well, maybe one of you is. I hope none of us relate to the guards, whose job was to make sure no one robbed the grave and then say, Jesus is gone, he is alive. They served the agents of death. I think lots of us relate to the women headed to the tomb, or possibly to the sense of being in the tomb without claiming to be Jesus. The last time they saw Jesus, these women, he was dead, laid in a tomb by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, because of all our depressing news and forced adaptation to new ways of living and working or not working are we not all in some manner standing with those women who loved jesus but mourn the poet john Maysfield wrote a play called the trial of jesus in it the centurion who oversaw Jesus' crucifixion reported back to Pilate. Pilate's wife asks the man about Jesus' death. After hearing his description, she asks, do you think he's dead? No, my lady, he replies, he's been let loose in the world where neither Roman nor Jew can stop his truth. That's why, Scattered now, but also gathered at the tomb. We are glad to hear the angel say, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised just as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Or as we love to say, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Jesus Christ has been let loose in the world. In the original Matthew, the angel spoke Greek, right? Because the New Testament is in Greek. The Greek word for he has been raised is egerthe. It's in the tense, the passive tense, that means Jesus did not rise up by himself. He has been raised. Well, by who? by God, the Creator, God the Father. That is, as one writer put it, presumptive evidence of the reality of God, the one who raised Jesus. That writer, Frederick Bruner, wrote, in a sense, the whole of gospel truth rests like an inverted pyramid on the truth or falsity of this one word, because it is a lie to say a man is alive who is not. If the word egerte is true, however, almost everything really important falls into place. We are at the tomb, or feeling almost like we're in one, and we get the, here's our word of the season, we get the unprecedented declaration that the Jesus who was crucified, dead, and entombed, has been raised up by God and enabled to get out of those burial linens and started hot-footing it to Galilee. God exists, then, Bruner says. God is the raiser, and in raising Jesus, the Father validates everything Jesus said and did. In raising Jesus we find out that the Father takes death and broken hearts and hopes and transforms them into something new and headed for God's future. In raising Jesus from the grave, we also get the news that God has power, that death has not. God has power that the guards of empire have not. God has power that Pontius Pilate, the Caesars, COVID 19, and even pervasive sin do not have. <coughs> As Bruner put it, if Egerthe is true, if Christ has been raised from the dead, then we have, quote, an historical answer to the death question. Death does not own us. Not really. And for any detail on that, you can look back and find my sermon on John 11. It was a few weeks ago. God is not done raising the dead. God is not done taking the events and things of death and bringing life out of them. Pastor Tim Beal of Central United Methodist Church wrote, The church I know is resilient in the face of challenge. When the world tries to obscure the face of Jesus with imprisonment, persecution, even murder, Christians transform those realities into places we meet the risen Lord. Catacombs become hidden chapels. He continues, prisons, detention centers, hospitals, they become prayer closets. Sites of genocide and human on human violence become destinations for pilgrimage. The dates when Christians are martyred become holy days. God even transformed the cross, a tool of execution and empire, into a sign of victory over the grave. End quote. Gathered at the tomb, we hear words of hope and future. If God, through raising Jesus, beat death, the empire ultimately, all the sins that put him on that cross, such as fear, then there is hope for what God can do with our desperation, our fears, our busted hopes and entombments. God can take what is in those tombs and those grieving outside and lift them up to new life as well. And we do not need to believe that, and do we not need to believe that and live that during this pandemic? The homily title is Redeemed by the Resurrection. Do you remember what redeemed means? No, it has nothing to do with S.N.H. stamps. Redemption is what happened in history if you or I were a slave or indentured servant— not free. But your freedom could be purchased if you only had the money. But as a prisoner of sorts, you did not. I did not. However, someone comes along and buys your freedom. You are set free. You have been redeemed by that person. How do you react? A lot of people react and reacted by doing what they can for that Redeemer in gratitude for the liberty they've been given. After being redeemed, set free by the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we are free, not only from sin and the power of it, unless we let it back in again, we are free to leave the tomb to seek our future in and with Christ. To be redeemed means to be liberated. I preached on redemptive suffering a little bit on Monday Thursday. That's where you and I are redeemed by the suffering, perhaps, of yourself, of your forebears, or someone else's suffering. It could be over generations. Their pain, sooner or later, liberated you. Jesus is the divine example of redemptive suffering. His pain, our salvation. But today is Resurrection Sunday. He has been raised. God exists. God creates new life where there has been death, redemptive suffering, imprisonment by fear, by grief, by unemployment, by sickness, by doubt, poverty, and all of the isms you care to mention. Now, you and I are freed by the raising of Jesus to do what we can do for this God, for his son Jesus. And what does his agent in the story tell us to do? Go to Galilee. There we will find him. There we will find a transformed life who can transform ours. Our approaches to life to people, to God, to church, to our hardships and mourning, can be transformed by this raised one. Let us go, too, to Galilee and know this powerful grace of God. Let us find out that we, too, may undergo blessed changes for the living of these scary, isolated, sometimes angry and patience-stretched days. Let us go to Galilee and be part of where God's future is. We have been told to go there twice now by the angel. We're supposed to tell the others, too. This is not just an individual thing. It's a disciple's thing. And through the disciples, we pray a greater community thing, a greater world thing. Nathan Kirkpatrick said that, The point of the story of Easter is not to linger at a tomb that is empty. The point is to go, go faithfully forward, to head in the direction that the risen Christ is leading. Risen from the dead, Jesus is now leading into the future that only God dreams possible. He continued briefly, The story that tells us that the risen Christ is out ahead of us, let loose in the world, leading us into a future beyond prejudice and poverty and prison and politics. Jesus goes ahead of us into a future that cannot be defined by death or grief or loss. Jesus goes before us into a future of peace and love, justice and truth, restoration and reconciliation. The story says... Jesus is waiting for us. In closing, here's a story which might help us imagine what our redemption, recreation, and being in Jesus' future together, if not only as individuals, might be like. Cameron Trimble wrote My friend Dana is a sculptor, she creates beautiful bronzed statues many of which are on display at some of our national museums and public parks. When she isn't working with bronze, she enjoys working with clay. She makes stunning glazed bowls, plates, and cups, each with their own unique shapes and colors. Her work is breathtaking to behold. The last time I saw her home, she handed me a bowl that had gold streaks running through what looked to be old cracks. When she saw me looking more closely, she said, this bowl has been through a lot over the years. And it finally broke apart a while ago. But I felt I could do more with it. So I melted gold and put it back together. But then she said something that I will never forget. She said reflectively, you know, I can now see that it's more beautiful for having been broken. Cameron goes on to say, as we head into Good Friday and Easter, we can see brokenness everywhere we look. We see gaping cracks in our institutions, our social order, our treatment of the vulnerable among us. We have cracks in our economies, our food supplies, and clean water resources. The brokenness can feel overwhelming and hopeless. This is what I know about God, she said. Our God, the ultimate potter, looks upon this broken-down world, and just like my friend Dana, sees how it can be more beautiful because of its brokenness, not in spite of it. God never causes the breaks, mind you, but once there, God uses them to bring forth new and even more beautiful creations. She finishes. Easter is a story of how God took the brokenness of crucifixion and transformed it into new life through resurrection. God made something new, something even more beautiful in the risen Christ. We can trust God to do this with us. This season where everything is off and you may feel broken to your core, consider that God is creating within you someone more beautiful for having been broken. And she finishes, We are in this together for this. We go forward to the Galilee's to which Jesus calls us. Galilee's we are liberated to travel to by the crucified and risen Lord and meet Christ. Let us see what Christ may make of us and our world because of our witness to this. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Amen. And now we prepare to sing our next hymn. God bless you for tuning in for our Easter podcast. And next week, we hope to remember to record our homily for the Sunday after Easter. I may not be able to combine that with the lector for the scriptures for a, for a while. Uh, we'll see who that lector is and how available they are for any on-site recording at the same place where I record uh, and preach, really, the homily. So thank you again for tuning in. I hope you have a blessed Easter tide. Thank you for your patience, because this is posted a couple days after Easter. And again, my best wishes, and God bless your week. Bye.